Chapter Three, Part Two of *The Princess Aline* by Richard Harding Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Three, Part Two. We are likely to see them this morning," said Carlton, as he left the hotel with the ladies and drove towards the Acropolis nolan has been interviewing the english maid and she tells him they spent the greater part of their time up there on the rock they are living very simply here as they did in paris that is for the present on wednesday the king gives a dinner and a reception in their honour when does your dinner come off asked miss morris never said carlton grimly one of the reasons why i like to come back to athens so much said mrs downs is because there are so few other tourists here to spoil the local colour for you and there are almost as few guides as tourists so that you can wander around undisturbed and discover things for yourself they don't label every fallen column and place fences around the temples they seem to put you on your good behaviour then i always like to go to a place where you are as much of a curiosity to the people as they are to you it seems to excuse your staring about you a curiosity exclaimed carlton i should say so the last time i was here i tried to wear a pair of knickerbockers around the city and the people stared so that i had to go back to the hotel and change them i shouldn't have minded it so much in any other country but i thought men who wore jaeger underclothing and women's petticoats for a national costume might have excused so slight an eccentricity as knickerbockers they had no right to throw the first stone the rock upon which the temples of the acropolis are built is more of a hill than a rock it is much steeper upon one side than the other with a sheer fall a hundred yards broad on the opposite side there are the rooms of the hospital of esculapius and the theatres of dionysus and herodes atticus the top of the rock holds the pantheon and the other smaller temples or what yet remains of them and its surface is littered with broken marble and stones and pieces of rock the top is so closely built over that the few tourists who visit it can imagine themselves its sole occupants for half an hour at a time when carlton and his friends arrived the place appeared quite deserted they left the carriage at the base of the rock and climbed up to the entrance on foot now before i go on to the pantheon said miss morris i want to walk around the sides and see what is there i shall begin with that theatre to the left and i warn you that i mean to take my time about it so you people who have been here before can run along by yourselves but i mean to enjoy it leisurely i am safe by myself here am i not she asked as safe as though you were in the metropolitan museum 
said carlton as he and mrs downs followed miss morris along the side of the hill towards the ruined theatre of herodes and stood at its top looking down into the basin below from their feet ran a great semicircle of marble seats descending tier below tier to a marble pavement and facing a great ruined wall of pillars and arches which in the past had formed the background to the actors from the height on which they stood above the city they could see the green country stretching out for miles on every side and swimming in the warm sunlight the dark groves of myrtle on the hills the silver ribbon of the inland water and the dark blue again sea the bleating of sheep and the tinkling of the bells came up to them from the pastures below and they imagined they could hear the shepherds piping to their flocks from one little hilltop to another the country is not much changed said carlton and when you stand where we are now you can imagine that you see the procession winding its way over the road to the eleusinian mysteries with the gilded chariots and the children carrying garlands and the priestesses leading the bulls for the sacrifice what can we imagine is going on here said miss morris pointing with her parasol to the theatre below oh this is much later said carlton this was built by the romans they used to act and to hold their public meetings here this corresponds to the top row of our gallery and you can imagine that you are looking down on the bent backs of hundreds of bald-headed men in white robes listening to the speakers strutting about below there i wonder how much they could hear from this height said mrs downs well they had that big wall for a sounding-board and the air is so soft here that their voices should have carried easily and i believe they were masks with mouthpieces that conveyed the sound like a fireman's trumpet if you like i will run down there and call up to you and you can hear how it sounded i will speak in my natural voice first and if that doesn't reach you wave your parasol and i will try a little louder oh do said miss morris it will be very good of you i should like to hear a real speech in the theatre of herodes she said as she seated herself on the edge of the marble crater i'll have to speak in english said carlton as he disappeared my greek isn't good enough to carry that far mrs downs seated herself beside her niece and carlton began scrambling down the side of the amphitheatre the marble benches were broken in parts and where they were perfect were covered with a fine layer of moss as smooth and as soft as green velvet so that carlton when he was not laboriously feeling for his next foothold with the toe of his boot was engaged in picking spring-flowers from the beds of moss and sticking them for safe-keeping in his buttonhole 
he was several minutes in making the descent and so busily occupied in doing it that he did not look up until he had reached the level of the ground and jumped lightly from the first row of seats to the stage covered with moss which lay like a heavy rug over the marble pavement when he did look up he saw a tableau that made his heart which was beating quickly from the exertion of the descent stand still with consternation the hohenwalds had in his short absence descended from the entrance of the acropolis and had to stop on their way to the road below to look into the cool green and white basin of the theatre at the moment carlton looked up the duke was standing in front of mrs downs and miss morris and all of the men had their hats off then in pantomime and silhouetted against the blue sky behind them carlton saw the princesses advance beside their brother and mrs downs and her niece curtsied three times and then the whole party faced about in a line and looked down at him the meaning of the tableau was only too plain good heavens gasped carlton everybody's getting introduced to everybody else and i've missed the whole thing if they think i'm going to stay down here and amuse them and miss all the fun myself they are greatly mistaken he made a mad rush for the front first row of seats but there was a cry of remonstrance from above and looking up he saw all the men waving him back Speech cried the young english captain applauding loudly as though welcoming an actor on his first entrance hats off he cried down in front speech confound that ass said carlton dropping back to the marble pavement again and gazing impotently up at the row of figures outlined against the sky i must look like a bear in the bear pit at the zoo he growled they'll be throwing buns to me next he could see the two elder sisters talking to mrs downs who was evidently explaining his purpose in going down to the stage of the theatre and he could see the princess aline bending forward with both hands on her parasol and smiling the captain made a trumpet of his hands and asked why he didn't begin hello how are you carlton called back waving his hat at him in some embarrassment i wonder if i look as much like a fool as i feel he muttered what did you say we can't hear you answered the captain louder louder called the equerries carlton swore at them under his breath and turned and gazed around the hall in which he was penned in order to make them believe that he had given up the idea of making a speech or had ever intended doing so he tried to think of something clever to shout back at them and rejected ye men of athens as being too flippant and friends countrymen romans as requiring too much effort 
when he looked up again the hornwalds were moving on their way and as he started once more to scale the sides of the theatre the duke waved his hand at him in farewell and gave another hand to his sisters who disappeared with him behind the edge of the upper row of seats carlton turned at once and dropped into one of the marble chairs and bowed his head when he did reach the top miss morris held out a sympathetic hand to him and shook her head sadly but he could see that she was pressing her lips tightly together to keep from smiling oh it's all very funny for you he said refusing her hand i don't believe you are in love with anybody you don't know what it means they revisited the rock on the next day and on the day after and then left athens for an inland excursion to stay overnight miss morris returned from it with the sense of having done her duty once and by so doing having earned the right to act as she pleased in the future what she best pleased to do was to wander about over the broad top of the acropolis with no serious intent of studying its historical values but rather as she explained it for the simple satisfaction of feeling that she was there she liked to stand on the edge of the low wall along its top and look out over the picture of sea and plain and mountains that lay below her the sun shone brightly and the wind swept by them as though they were on the bridge of an ocean steamer and there was the added invigorating sense of pleasure that comes to us when we stand on a great height carlton was sitting at her feet shielded from the wind by a fallen column and gazing up at her with critical approval you look like a sort of a winged victory up there he said with the wind blowing your skirts about and your hair coming down i don't remember that the winged victory has any hair to blow about suggested miss morris i'd like to paint you continued carlton just as you are standing now only i would put in a greek dress and you could stand a greek dress better than almost any one i know i would paint you with your head up and one hand shielding your eyes and the other pressed against your breast it would be stunning he spoke enthusiastically but in quite an impersonal tone as though he were discussing the posing of a model miss morris jumped down from the low wall on which she had been standing and said simply of course i should like to have you paint me very much mrs downs looked up with interest to see if mr carlton was serious when said carlton vaguely oh i don't know of course this is entirely too nice to last and you will be going home soon and then when i do get back to the states you will you will have other things to do yes repeated miss morris i shall have something else to do besides gazing out at the aegean sea she raised her head and looked across the rock for a moment with some interest her eyes 
which had grown wistful lighted again with amusement here are your friends she said smiling no exclaimed carlton scrambling at his feet yes said miss morris the duke has seen us and is coming over here when carlton had gained his feet and turned to look his friends had separated in different directions and were strolling about alone or in pairs among the great columns of the pantheon but the duke came directly towards them and seated himself on a low block of marble in front of the two ladies after a word or two about the beauties of the place he asked if they would go to the reception which the king gave to him on the day following they answered that they should like to come very much and the prince expressed his satisfaction and said that he would see that the chamberlain sent them invitations and you mr carlton you will come also i hope i wish you to be presented to my sisters they are only amateurs in art but they are great admirers of your work and they have rebuked me for not having already presented you we were all disappointed he continued courteously at not having you to dine with us that night in constantinople but now i trust i shall see something of you here you must tell us what we are to admire that is very easy said carlton everything you are quite right said the prince bowing to the ladies as he moved away it is all very beautiful well now you certainly will meet her said miss morris oh no i won't said carlton with resignation i have had two chances and lost them and i'll miss this one too well there is a chance you shouldn't miss said miss morris pointing and nodding her head there she is now and all alone she's sketching isn't she or taking notes what is she doing carlton looked eagerly in the direction miss morris had signified and saw the princess aline sitting at some distance from them with a book on her lap she glanced up from this now and again to look at something ahead of her and was apparently deeply absorbed in her occupation there is your opportunity said mrs downs and we are going back to the hotel shall we see you at luncheon yes said carlton unless i get a position as drawing-master in that case i shall be here teaching the three amateurs in art do you think i can do it he asked miss morris decidedly she answered i have found you a most educational young person they went away together and carlton moved cautiously towards the spot where the princess was sitting he made a long and roundabout detour as he did so in order to keep himself behind her he did not mean to come so near that she would see him but he took a certain satisfaction in looking at her when she was alone though her loneliness was only a matter of the moment and though he knew that her people were within a hundred yards of her 
he was in consequence somewhat annoyed and surprised to see another young man dodging in and out among the pillars of the pantheon immediately ahead of him and to find that this young man also had his attention centred on the young girl who sat unconsciously sketching in the foreground now what the devil can he want muttered carlton his imagination taking alarm at once if it would only prove to be some one who meant harm to her he thought a brigand or a beggar who might be obligingly insolent or even a tipsy man what a chance it would afford for heroic action with this hope he moved forward quickly but silently hoping that the stranger might prove even to be an anarchist with a grudge against royalty and as he advanced he had the satisfaction of seeing the princess glance over her shoulder and observing the man rise and walk quickly away towards the edge of the rock there she seated herself with her face towards the city and with her back firmly set against her pursuer he is annoying her exclaimed carlton delightedly as he hurried forward it looks as though my chance had come at last but as he approached the stranger he saw to his great disappointment that he had nothing more serious to deal with than one of the international army of amateur photographers who had been stalking the princess as a hunter follows an elk or as he would have stalked a racehorse or a prominent politician or a lord mayor's show everything being fish that came within the focus of his camera a helpless statue and an equally helpless young girl were both good subjects and at his mercy he was bending over with an anxious expression of countenance and focusing his camera on the back of the princess aline when carlton approached from the rear as the young man put his finger on the button of the camera carlton jogged his arm with his elbow and pushed the enthusiastic tourist to one side say exclaimed that individual look where you're going will you you spoiled that plate i'll spoil your camera if you annoy that young lady any longer said carlton in a low voice the photographer was rapidly rewinding his roll and the fire of pursuit was still in his eye she's a princess he explained with an excited whisper well said carlton even a princess is entitled to some consideration besides he said in a more amicable tone you haven't a permit to photograph on the acropolis you know you haven't carlton was quite sure of this because there were no such permits the amateur looked up in some dismay i didn't know you had to have them he said where can i get one the king may give you one said carlton he lives at the palace if they catch you up here without a license they will confiscate your camera and lock you up you had better vanish before they see you 
thank you i will said the tourist anxiously now thought carlton smiling pleasantly when he goes to the palace with that box and asks for a permit they'll think he's either a dynamiter or a crank and before they are through with him his interest in photography will have sustained a severe shock as carlton turned from watching the rapid flight of the photographer he observed that the princess had remarked it also and she had no doubt been a witness of what had passed even if she had not overheard all that had been said she rose from her enforced position of refuge with a look of relief and came directly towards carlton along the rough path that led through the debris on the top of the acropolis carlton had thought as he watched her sitting on the wall with her chin resting on her hand that she would make a beautiful companion picture to the one he had wished to paint of miss morris the one girl standing upright looking fearlessly out to sea on the top of the low wall with the wind blowing her skirts about her and her hair tumbled in the breeze and the other seated bending intently forward as though watching for the return of a long-delayed vessel a beautifully sad face fine and delicate and noble the face of a girl on the figure of a woman and when she rose he made no effort to move away or indeed to pretend not to have seen her but stood looking at her though he had the right to do so and as though she must know he had that right as she came towards him the princess aline did not stop nor even shorten her steps but as she passed opposite to him she bowed her thanks with a sweet impersonal smile and a dropping of the eyes and continued steadily on her way carlton stood for some short time looking after her with his hat still at his side she seemed farther from him at that moment than she ever had been before although she had for the first time recognized him but he knew that it was only as a human being that she had recognized him he put on his hat and sat down on a rock with his elbows on his knees and filled his pipe if that had been any other girl he thought i would have gone up to her and said was that man annoying you and she would have said yes thank you or something and i would have walked along with her until we had come up to her friends and she would have told them i had been of some slight service to her and they would have introduced us and all would have gone well but because she is a princess she cannot be approached in that way at least she does not think so and i have to act as she has been told i should act and not as i think i should after all she is only a very beautiful girl and she must be very tired of her cousins and her grandmothers and of not being allowed to see any one else these royalties make a very picturesque show for the rest of us but indeed it seems rather hard on them a hundred years from now there will be no more kings and queens 
and the writers of that day will envy us just as the writers of this day envy the men who wrote of chivalry and tournaments and they will have to choose their heroes from bank presidents and their heroines from lady lawyers and girl politicians and typewriters what a stupid world it will be then End of chapter three part two